fancy job, and it makes a man watchful and a little lonely. Come on in for an evening of poems and stories about the American West. A land of legend, of romance, of friendship and courage. A motherload of remembrance. A true showcase of the Old West with the old cowboy, J.C. Holsey. I'm a little upset with Amazon right now. It seems they updated my Kindle to their latest operating system. They claim they sent an email telling me they are going to do it. Well, I didn't receive that email. But even if I had gotten the email, I probably would have said okay, because I always want the newest version of everything. Since I didn't get the message, I don't know if they explained what this new and improved version was going to do to my Kindle. I've got a program on there that I use constantly. It's called Inkpad Notepad. I use it to take notes and write chapters for my stories. I've been using it ever since I bought this Kindle in 2014. The reason I like it is I can type something in there and then I can email it to myself. Well, it seems this new operating system didn't approve of the program because I didn't buy it from Amazon. So it erased that program and all of the notes that I'd been saving since I purchased it. I called Amazon and I fussed and cussed, but it didn't do any good. The thing I don't understand is how does Amazon have the right to dictate what I have on my Kindle after I bought and paid for it? And let me say right here, this ain't one of those cheapies they're pushing now. This one cost a pretty penny. Needless to say, this old cowboy was and is mighty upset. I did go to the app store and I downloaded the program. And here's another thing I don't understand about it. The program is free, so why does it matter where I got the one that they erased? Singer-songwriter Mickey Daniel has lived all her life on a small ranch and she's a real cowgirl. Her resume includes singing, she plays multiple instruments, she's a songwriter, a horse trainer, and she's penned her first historical novel, Girls and Gunsmoke. She discovered her true calling of playing, writing, and singing western music when she was five years old. She fell in love with Roy Rogers and Gene Autry movies. She even owns and trained her Golden Palomino and named him Trigger. She's been honored with multiple awards, including the New Horizon Wrangler Award for her debut CD, Gotta Be a Cowgirl which, by the way, contains nine songs that Mickey wrote. She made history by being the youngest person to ever win a Wrangler Award. She's currently nominated for WMA's 2015 Female Entertainer of the Year. She's been awarded the WMA Crescendo Award, the WMA Marilyn Tuttle Best of the Best Harmony Award, the WMA Janet McBride Best of the Best Yodeling Award, and the AWA Yodeler of the Year Award in 2014. Her second CD, Cowgirl Swing, which holds the honor of being 2015 Swing Album of the Year by the Rural Roots Commission. Let's listen to something a little different from what we're used to on the Wild West Showdown. Not only does Mickey write and sing a mean country song, but here's one a little different. Some might not classify it as a country song, but they will have to admit this. Polka Dots and Moonbeams is fantastic. Mickey Daniels singing Polka Dots and moonbeams. A country dance was being held in a garden. I felt a bump and heard an oh. I beg your pardon 
the Azores Polka dots and moonbeams All around a pug-nosed dream The music started and was I a perplexed one He took my hand and said may I have this next one in my frightened arms polka dots and moonbeams sparkled around the pug nose dream there were questions in the eyes of other dancers as we circled round the floor Questions Oh, but my heart Knew all the answers And perhaps a few Things more Now in a cottage Built of lilacs And laughter I know the meaning Of the words Ever
By the way, not only does she sing great, but she lives in Texas. Let's talk a little bit about vigilante justice and lynchings. In the first part of the 19th century, opponents of slavery, cattle rustling, horse thieves, gamblers, and other desperados in the South and the Old West were the most common targets of those who were not of African-American descent. Hangings, burnings, and whippings to kill slaves were very common. The state of Montana holds the record for the bloodiest vigilante movement from 1863 to 1865 when hundreds of suspected horse thieves were rounded up and killed in massive mob actions. Texas, Montana, California, and the Deep South, especially the city of New Orleans, were hotbeds of vigilante activity in American history. Lynching was easily accepted as the nation expanded west to the frontier, where raw conditions encouraged swift punishment for real or imagined criminal behavior. Vigilance committees, consisting of anywhere from several dozen to several hundred men, formed quickly and made quick decisions to execute in order to repress crime. Even where official law enforcement did exist, prisoners were sometimes dragged from the jail by a lynch mob and executed. One of the first recorded hangings in the west of a woman was 1849 when miners pioneered the boom towns of California where gambling, drinking, violence, and vigilante justice was common. This woman, known as Pretty Juanita, was convicted of murder after stabbing a man who had tried to rape her. Before she was hung, she gave a laugh and a salute as the rope pulled tight around her neck. She was the first person hanged in that California mining camp. In Texas, between 1846 and 1861, vigilantes instigated most of the lynchings. Often these vigilantes imitated legal court procedure, trying the offender before a vigilante judge and jury. Though conviction most often resulted in whipping, there were 140 offenders lynched during this time frame. These lynchings and even the legal hangings often took on a festive-type atmosphere, as families attended with picnic baskets in hand. Vendors sold souvenirs, and photographers took photographs of the event, many of which wound up on penny postcards. It wasn't until 1936 that the U.S. made a law against public executions. Ida Wells, an editor for a small newspaper in Memphis, Tennessee, carried out an investigation into the many lynchings in 1884. In just a short period, she discovered that 728 black men and women had been hanged by white mobs. Of these deaths, two-thirds were for small offenses such as public drunkenness and shoplifting. Makes a person kind of wonder about living in the good old days, don't it? Royal Wade Kimes worked at his father's sawmill until 1983 when his father encouraged him to move to Nashville, Tennessee. He worked at Loretta Lynn's Dude Ranch and later began recording demos through the encouragement of Eddie Arnold. Kimes also wrote We Bury the Hatchet on Garth Brooks' album Rope in the Wind. Kimes signed with Asylum Records in 1996. The label released the single Leave My Mama Alone, followed by his debut album Another Man's Sky. The album's third single, Guardian Angel, received a positive review in Billboard, which called it country to the core and praised Kimes as a talented songwriter. After Kimes left Asylum Records, he began recording for Wonderment Records. Kimes charted at number 60 on the Hot Country Songs chart dated January the 3rd, 2004 with Mile High Honey. We're mighty proud to have this talented young man on the Wild West Showdown. This is Roy Wade Kimes singing Another Man's Sky.
I'd end up with someday And now it hurts to be this close And have to walk away In my life, why well, just can't take another man's sky? Thanks, Roy. That was great. Now let's visit with author and poet Regina Puckett. We want to welcome to the Wild West Showdown today, Miss Regina Puckett. Welcome, Regina. Well, thank you for having me. First of all, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, where you live, where you grew up, so forth? Well, I was born in Tennessee, and I'm still here. I kind of like it, so I figured I'd stay for a while. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've been writing for a long time, uh, I guess. Uh, 40-something years. Um, I have two children and four grandchildren, and life is pretty good. What else would you like to know? Okay. Well, how about these grandkids and kids? Do you see an author in any of them? Oh, yes. My youngest daughter's a writer, Charity Parkerson. She actually 
makes a lot more money at it than I do. Money. Uh, you said a, you said something. I'm gonna have to Google that word. <laughs> I don't writing and money. I didn't think they fit together. No. <laughs> I don't know. Well, according to her, they do. Not, well, not according to me. Yeah, okay. Where do you get the inspiration for your characters? You know, I write a little bit about everything. Okay. I write romance. I write horror. I write children's books. I write poetry. I, so, inspiration comes from everywhere. Horror books. I saw some beggars on the street, and I thought about, well, that would be pretty horrifying. Okay. <laughs> it just comes from everywhere. From news. Sure. A lot of my horror. My, a lot of my horror comes from the news. Okay. <laughs> what? How do you come up with the characters' names? Well, when I started, first started writing, uh, I used my family's names, and then I finally had so many books, I had to kind of branch out a little bit. Mm -hmm. So now I put a little bit more thought into them, what, what names mean, and how it will fit my character. So I kind of Google names and see if it's a good name to fit my character. Sure. What about your covers? Do you try to fit your covers to your stories? Oh, I do. I love looking for my book covers. I use sites where you can buy the rights to use their photos and mm -hmm. and I just kind of browse through them until I find exactly what I, I'm looking for. That's what I kind of like about being independent. When I was with a publisher, I had to wait around for them to see what the cover was going to look like. <laughs> and sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't work, and you wondered what they were thinking. But right. uh, okay. now, if my cover didn't work, I don't have anybody to blame but myself. Okay, so you're self-published now, is what you're saying? I am. Have you got a, a story to tell about publishers? I like to hear stories about publishers. Oh, I have all kinds of stories about publishers, but I'm pretty sure, sure I don't want to be sued. <laughs> I'll keep them well, all to myself. <laughs> uh, you know, that's that's one of the things I talk about is how publishers treat authors. You have to be really careful about who you pick. And the, one, of the, one of the last publishers I had, I thought they had a good name, but all of a sudden it all just went really bad really fast. <laughs> so you just you just never know. Do you work from an outline, or you just go with the flow? When I first started writing, I thought, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to write an outline. Well, mm -hmm. I tried it with my first book. I didn't stay with it, and so it just doesn't make any sense to me because I always get off my, you know, my characters start talking, and they're over here doing whatever they want to do, and so I, I kind of just go with them. But I do keep a list of my characters' names and Okay. What they look like, because I'm forever forgetting if somebody has brown eyes or blue eyes or what their last name was. And right. So, so I do try to keep that and keep it posted so I can see it. You know, somebody that's not an author doesn't understand your characters talking to you. They think you need a guys in the white suit. But I understand <laughs> because I have that same problem with my characters. <laughs> but it's really not a problem, is it? No, it's not a problem. In yeah. fact, it's a problem when they're not talking to each other. There you that's go. When you don't, that's when it, your story tells. And, but it, it's when you're laying in bed at night and you can't go to sleep because you have these conversations going and you think, oh, i got to get up and get a pencil or something. Mm, <laughs> that's a really good conversation. I don't think I want to remember that in the morning. you got to take care of it when they wake you up because it'll be gone the next morning. And it sure will. <laughs> you write all different genres. What's your favorite genre? Whatever I'm working on at the moment is my favorite. I started out writing romance because I really love reading romance mm, Okay. And I guess I just kind of, the older I got, the more interest I, I drew, you know, some other things. And then a couple years ago, I thought, you know, my, daughter, my oldest daughter was into ghost hunting, and she had been spending the weekend in a, a deserted mental hospital. 
And I thought, you know, that would make a really great story. So uh-huh. I started writing horror stories. And then last year, I was thinking, you know, I want to try something different. I feel like I'm just kind of in a rut, and I'm just writing to be writing. And I thought, well, I'm going to try something. I don't know what it's going to be, but that's uh, so what I thought about steampunk. And I thought, I don't know the first thing about mechanical things. <laughs> and so... You know, they kind of well, they kind of put a ranch in everything, mm-hmm. and so I had I, I had to do a lot of uh, research on steam engines and how they work, and uh, and why it's not perfect. I'm, sometimes I get a little vague about things, and sometimes I make things up. But I uh, figured the world that I created, it's my world. And y'all better come on and join me and, and like it. But I'm liking steampunk right now. I'm really I'm really enjoying it. Okay, explain what steampunk is. Okay, it's an off-ranch of science fiction where you create a world where uh, I think most of steampunk is in the, like in the early times before they had gasoline-run engines and mm-hmm. it was run by steam and stuff. But some of it, I guess, technically, mine's cyberpunk because it's in the future, but my machinery is, is run by steam. Everything, so I have an airship and it's steam-powered. I have robots that are hand-wound like clockwork. Oh, okay. I guess it's simpler time. Mine's in the future where we've had a great war and all our technologies have been destroyed and mm. there's just a few people left on Earth. Okay. And so they've reverted back to steam. You went through several publishers, you said. How oh. do you feel about the present-day publishing? How has it impacted you as a writer? I, I kind of have an interesting take on publishing because I've worked for like 16 and a half years at Borders, and I always thought I worked at the Return Center where they returned all the paper books, and you, you think, you know, people are, <laughs> the publishers are just not going to be able to keep this up. Mm-mm. You know, the, the stores are shipping them back, and then we're shipping them back, and then then we'll buy them back from them, and, and it seems like all the cost is just done in shipping. And so I can see where they're probably better off to do go towards the e-books more. Now, I like print books myself, but I can see where it's probably cheaper on everyone to do the e-books. Uh-huh. Yes, it is, definitely. But there again, you have many, many people that want a print copy. They don't, want, they don't even own a computer or a tablet or anything. Okay, when you had these publishers, did they do very much publicity for you? No, the ones I have. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I, I think unless you're just totally famous and you're J.K. Rowling, I don't think they spend a lot of money on you. I think, you know, whoever you are, you're going to have to do a lot of your own. Right. Getting out there and begging people to buy your books. (laughs) Okay. So you handle your own marketing now. Could you you give me a kind of a plan of how you go about that? Well, my plan is very simple. I I just, I'm always in everybody's face. (laughs) I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Uh Uh, Every now and then, you know, if I make enough money, uh, I'll try to buy ads if I have a special going. I do my uh, website and keep it up and keep writing blogs and I'm on Goodreads. I try to be as much online as I can because that kind of cuts down on the cost on uh, getting everything out there. Do you find this marketing that you have to do taken away from your writing? Oh, yes. It has to because it just takes so much time. Yes. So I don't know sometimes if it's worth it or not. When, when all you get, you know, is a check and you can buy a burger, you don't know, really. Maybe, I mean, if you maybe. have your real job, you wouldn't be happy to put that much effort or that little money. Okay, then let me ask you the hard question. If you didn't make any money at all, do you think you'd quit writing? Well, no. Right now, I'm not making enough money for it really to make a lot of difference. So okay. I, I still, I just do it because I enjoy it. 
Sure. I probably I get discouraged, I guess, like everybody else. Mm-hmm. But I, I love writing, and this, last year I, I had decided I was going to stop writing for the year. I was going to take the year off. Well, <laughs> around December the 15th, I, that was when I had the idea for the, my first steampunk book. Mm-hmm. And that's all I did last year was write. I put out more last year than I've ever put out before. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, I just don't think I'm ever, unless I run out of ideas to write, then I guess I will. But so far I have. So I'll keep writing as long as I have something to write about. What are you working on right now? I believe you told me, but tell me again, please. I have three books planned for the steampunk series. Okay. But I wanted to try my hand at a Regency romance. I've never done that before, and I know it's going to take a, a lot of uh, going and checking things out. But I want to try it. You know, I, I like trying different things. Sure. I like being. I like seeing if I can do it. I like the challenge of different things. Now I may fail. I may get to chapter three and realize that I just really suck at Regency. <laughs> I'm enjoying it, so I'm hoping it's going to go somewhere. Uh, when you're a writer, you enjoy it. It doesn't matter how it goes. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, how do you feel when you get a bad review? I feel terrible about it, but mm-hmm. after a day or two of crying and gnashing teeth, I, I usually try to find something good in it to see what they're trying to tell me. I think if you take your criticism and try to figure out what they're trying to tell you, it'll make you a better writer. A person that's not an author, a person that doesn't write, doesn't understand the passion that we have to put those words down for somebody else. And it's hard work, too. I don't don't think people realize that it's hard work, and you want somebody to appreciate the hard work that you put into it. You're going to have naysayers no matter what you do, no matter what you say. Somebody's going to jump on you about it. Oh, they certainly are. You have to have a thick skin. If you're going to be a writer and you're going to be published, you better grow some thick skin. You know the way I feel about a bad review? I look above it or below it, and I count all of them good reviews. And that that bad one just goes out the window. I love the good ones. They always make me feel great. You know, that's what I think we want. We want a pat on the back more than anything else. Yeah. Want to be appreciated. What was your favorite treat as a kid? Candy, cake, something like that? Oh, my. I don't remember. Oh, come on I now. My... <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's ask it this way. What's your favorite treat today? Oh, ice cream. Ice cream. Any ca- Any flavor? Any flavor. Any flavor. Homemade or store-bought? Oh, any kind. I love it. Okay, that answers that, don't it? How about advice for a young person that says they want to be an author, or an old person that wants to be an author? I say you have to start writing. You know, you can talk about this is what you're going to do. One day I'm going to write, one day I'm going to write. Well, I think today's just as good a day as any to start writing. I think the longer you put it off, the more likely you're never going to do it. And, and then when you start writing, don't ever let anybody tell you that you can't do it. Just do it. Just and you're it. going to get you're going to get better with each thing you write. I just say don't ever get up, don't ever let anybody take your dreams away from you. It's good advice. Okay, you've won some awards. Won't you tell us about those? Oh, let's see. Well, my Fireflies, a poetry book, won 2013 Turning Pages Poetry Book of the Year. Mm-hmm. Last year, Concealed in My Heart won honorary. I was proud of it for Reader's Favorite and Romance. This year, I Will Breathe won third place in Reader's Favorite Science Fiction. Pretty good things to have as, as awards. You said steampunk is, is before electricity and so forth. Why don't you turn that into a Western? Well, you know, that's, I don't see why you couldn't. I'm sure people have. There's all kinds of steampunk out there. Well, I'm partial to westerns. You need to 
turn it into a Western. Oh, well, all we'd have to do. You're is, a writer, right? Then you need to turn well, it into. Well, I'm, I'm kind of busy with other things. I'm I'm very far behind on my writing. Well, that's something to think about. You know, unless you have a little nugget in your head, it'll never let go, and then next thing uh, you know, you'll be putting up a sample. I know. How can people? You say you got a web page. I do. Regina Pocket's books. Okay, and Facebook. I do. It's just at Regina Pocket. Twitter. Uh, I am. I'm I'm Regina Pocket with just one T. Okay. How about For you? For some wanna... reason, maybe wouldn't let me add the other T. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, Twitter. Twitter's <laughs> awful funny to work with. <laughs> I've been there and done that. <laughs> How about your email? You want to give that out for folks to get in touch with you? Sure, Regina, R-E-G-I-N-A, D-D-E-E, at bellsouth.net. Okay. Well, listen, we appreciate so much you being on the Wild West Showdown with us today, and I want to give you a special invitation to come back and visit with us any time. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it so much. All right. We'll talk at you later then. Okay, then. Bye-bye. Thomas Sheffield's a young artist who is country to the core. Thomas's life has revolved around music since he was old enough to talk. He was born and raised in a small town in southwest Oklahoma among a huge musical family. He was destined to be on stage with a microphone in his hand. Throughout his teenage years, he sang all over the state and competed in and won various competitions. A few years after graduating high school and going to work for his dad's business, he made the decision to uproot from Oklahoma and move to Nashville. Once he placed his feet on the ground in Music City, he started that grind that every artist who comes to town ultimately hopes for landing a record deal, but not just yet. He has, however, had the great honor and privilege to have shared the stage with many country greats like Jimmy Fortune, David Frizzell, Leona Williams, Charlie Levin, and many more. Most recently, he spent a few days on the road with Daryl Singletary's crew and was honored when Daryl invited him to sing with him on stage. Thomas says, I really feel like I was born to sing and connect with audiences. The heartfelt lyrics of country songs are about our everyday lives that anyone can relate to. Many music professionals have said Thomas is superstar material with an amazing voice, and he absolutely has a place at country music. Well, we here at the Wild West Showdown don't have to wait for Thomas to sign that record label to hear him. Here's Thomas Sheffield singing, Girl. been a long time coming, girl Ain't love something when You've been waiting all your life And I never thought I'd find you Now I can't live a day Please let me tell you Girl, 
forget to mention when it comes to my attention, girl. You get all I've got to give, and I want to stay together. Thank you, Thomas. That was a good one. Boy, I don't know what's wrong with those record companies there in Nashville. This young man is a talent that needs to be recognized. We want to thank Thomas for sharing that song with us, and thanks to Roy Wade Kimes and Mickey Daniels for allowing us to share their talent. And a special thank you to our guest author, Regina Puckett. I think it's time for some good old cowboy wisdom. What do you think? Good judgment comes from experience, and a lot of that comes from bad judgment. This is the old cowboy saying adios and happy trails. Come on back next week to the Wild West Showdown with the old cowboy J.C. Holsey.